Welcome to the Jet Setters Lifestyle Podcast. This is a podcast for those striving to be the best versions of themselves. In each episode, we'll dive into discussions of importance in areas of fashion, culture, relationships, business, the path to manhood, and music. We'll also share tips and advice to help our listeners play the game of life at higher levels than the rest. If you're the type of person who enjoys being a victim, preferring mediocrity over mastery, then discontinue listening. This podcast is not for you. Don't be content with a first-class seat on the plane. We are the Jet Setters Lifestyle Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Don G and Shytronics. Get them. Let's get it. Jet Setters. My guest today is my friend and former co-worker, Rywin Allen a man who truly lives life on his own terms. In today's episode of the podcast, we discuss wealth, black culture, spirituality, being a force of change, understanding wealth building, teaching values, past struggles, lifestyle design, and learning to run one's own race. I always enjoy talking with men of character and direction, and Ryron has that in spades. I took a lot of valuable lessons away from our conversation and my hope is that you will too let's jump in to this week's discussion Jet Setters. my week been good though um just trying to deal with work you know how that is take it one day at a time one day at a time that's how I, that's how i see it Mm-hmm. It's not what you say. They say it's not a it's not a, a sprint. It's a marathon. <laughs> it's gonna keep going. Very true. Very true. But I totally agree. And, and some days are harder than others. Yes. But this but, week this week's been good though. Um, we haven't had too much to deal with and stuff like that. I'm just glad that we finally got to the Eid holiday. We shall get that off. I don't get that off. No. Ten out with ten to fourteen hour shifts. That's right. what I've been working every right. day. Every day. I mean, you know, money-wise, that's good, but I'm sure that you want to have some time to be able to do what you want to do. Are, mean, are, are you getting, like, holiday pay and stuff? I get, uh, no, actually, see, this is the thing about this contract, gentlemen. Our mm-hmm. holiday pay is different from yours. Mm-hmm. Y'all get 200 It's 250 250 We get 150 Got you, so they, they cut you by, like, a, a half. Yeah, but yeah. the thing is, see, I'm... I've been getting overtime since every day I've been clocking in at least two hours at 1.25 mm-hmm. and some days two hours at 1.25, two hours at 1.50 for three months straight now. Mm-hmm. And it's because I don't, I'm the only American in my office. Gotcha. Now, who do you work with? I work for veterans. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm crazy. I, I explain just how I, I say God has blessed me on belief. I left here as a specialist or a, what do you yeah. call it? Well, what what shop did you work in? I worked for TMO. Okay, so you worked like a basically a a uh, transportation specialist. Yeah. yeah. So I left that position. I, I, when I left Dynacorp here, I went to Dynacorp in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. They I got there January. They ended up losing the contract in September. I didn't know they lost it. Yes, in, in Afghanistan. But I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I network, you know, you meet people and you never burn bridges. Mm-hmm. One of the guys that used to go over to the pipeline to pick up cargo with me. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Um, do y'all have apple juice by chance? 
Yes, that's fine. That's fine. I want that. That'd be good. Thank you. So the way it worked, it was um, it was it was crazy because I met the guy and I talked to him and he was like, "Yeah, I can put you on." I was like, right, "Cool," because I, I said, "Yeah, let me come back here." I said, "My lady's here," and then on top of that, I'm not trying to pay forty grand in taxes. Yeah, when I get yeah. Because you got to pay that big hit. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, if you don't do a full year. Well, I think, what is it? Is it 300 days you got to do? Yeah. Yeah. 300 days. So, I ended up coming back here. Now, the pay wasn't mm-hmm. $17 and some changing out. Yeah, yeah. But I avoided taxes. My lady here mm-hmm. was for life. Yeah. And this is when I say God bless me. Young. I got here in September. Mm-hmm. It was me two other Americans in the shop. I had a supervisor, of course, and we worked with nine OCs. Yeah. April time frame, I got promoted to supervisor. Gotcha. Was that the time? I, th- I think I remember seeing you out there working with that. Um, you guys were cutting up uh, That's equipment. That's special. Yeah, yeah. And I had my supervisor left. Mm-hmm. That guy ended up messing up so bad that they moved into another section. Wow. And the manager was like, I want to see what you can do. So I get in the position, it's me and the other American. Yeah. She ended up going to another section, and then I'm left by myself. With nine uh, OCs. Nine OCs. And I've been running that thing like you ain't running no other. Yeah, that's what's up. But I say it's a blessing because mm-hmm. within a year's frame, mm-hmm. I went from making 17 an hour mm-hmm. to 20 an hour. So I just got another 25. That's what's 25. up. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Someone noticing my transition. God looking like, all right, he's busting his tail. Yeah. He deserves yeah. it. But the thing is, like now, mm-hmm. I'm like, God, I see you giving me this, but I know this ain't my path. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, the thing is, it, a lot of time, he puts us in what we can manage. In other words, if we are proper stewards of what we have, he gives us more. But why should he give you more if you're not a proper steward of what he's already gave you? I think that's what a lot of us as like as people in our culture we forget that it's, it's about it's like you know in other words you, you're, when you're inspecting for something and stuff like that it's like what have I done with what have you what you gave me and then when you are using that you'll say okay it's, it's time for more and he offers more but um nah man that's that's awesome that you are at that level but it's even more awesome that you're seeing that. There's something more. That's the thing. Like, I know there's more mm-hmm. to this. Yeah. What I'm trying to see, it's like... Most people get comfortable in that, that's though. I'm not. I'm, mm-hmm. I don't... I feel like when you're comfortable, yeah. you stop progressing. Yeah. You stop earning, you stop learning, you just stuck in your way. You're like one of those old people. Yeah. And I hate to reference this guy, but he's a great dude. But mm-hmm. E.T. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of the ones, and I'm like, you've been here for that. Oh, yes, and but, still, where you at? That level. You're supposed to be running this. You're supposed to be a superintendent. I, I trust me. I, I agree. But he's gotten comfortable, and for me, my mindset is get comfortable being uncomfortable. I live that, and it's like I'm constantly challenging myself. Um, six months ago, I've never uh, like really wrote or, or done too much outside of college and stuff. And now here it is, six months later, I just finished my first book, you know? So thank you, thank you. But it's like, 
it, it, it reminds me that you could do anything you put your mind to it, but you got to first have your mindset to do it. And then you got to put the time towards doing it and learn the skills. You know, you have countless hours I was on the online studying, learning the process, learning the craft, learning how to word my, 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 um, my, 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 what is it? My, my scenes and stuff, set up my scenes and build my characters and design. And that was, I spent months on that before I even started writing. So when I started writing, I had to learn all this other knowledge beforehand. So my, my, my mindset is, I don't never say I can't do anything. I say, what do I want to do? And do I feel like investing the energy towards learning it, you know? But um, dude, that's awesome. That's, that's, that's a beautiful thing that you're seeing that there's something more. For me, my goal, I'm wanting to be a billionaire, you know? I, I, I'm not even putting it past me. I want to be a billionaire. And the reason why I want to be a billionaire is not because of the money. It's actually because of the ability to influence through that, through that level. When you're at that level, you can influence not just people, you can influence markets and industries. And when you speak, the markets change. When Warren Buffett speaks, it's like the stock market just flips on his head. You know, it changes every time. And to me, that's that's the kind of level I want to be at. Not necessarily to 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 take from that, but to be able to provide something, to give back, give back to my community, to give back to not just um, not just black culture, but I say culture around the globe. I want to have that kind of influence, and I know that where I am right now, I can't do that. But if I build onto what I'm doing right now. I can get the skills to do that, but that's my. Dream. But what if I told you? Well, I I, I I agree with you in the sense that I, you can, and I know that I can do it now. But it also means I think my biggest fear, and it's been the longest fear that I've had, is not 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 I guess accomplishing it. But what happens when I do accomplish it? You know, my fear is. Okay, now I'm there. Okay. Now I'm there. Um, I'm um, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. I have my own island. I'm doing those things. It's like my fear is being there. It's like it's like getting to the finish line. Then what? And, and and I see that a lot with some of my friends that are successful and wealthy or at that point. They run to the point where there's they do everything. They do the champagne showers. They you know they party and buying yachts and all of those stuff but they're bored you know because they ran out of stuff to do and and I think for me I enjoy the struggle I enjoy the challenge whether it be relationship or anything I fear the ideal of getting there and losing that fire okay now mm -hmm. this is gonna be the check Good. all right so let's say you're a billionaire right mm -hmm. you got to the point that level in mindset where you like all right Mm -hmm. Now I'm about to face my fear because I bring the book. Mm -hmm. I've been with so many people. Mm -hmm. What's my next step in life? What is what is my teachings, my upbringing? What can this do for me if I'm already completing everything that I've set in my step? Mm -hmm. Here it go. You influence others. You lead them to greatness. Mm -hmm. But that's when you become a mentor and you grab one individual. If 
you reach one and you teach one and pass it on. Gotcha. Granted, I could be on the outside and I see you and I'm like, man, G is making moves. Mm -hmm. G is doing this, G is doing that. I'm gonna walk in his footsteps. Gotcha. You've reached it. Mm -hmm. Now you get to the point where you're like, if I've done it, I look amongst the crowd and I see who has potential and I grab it. Gotcha. Now I wanna hit you with something on that. What's your mindset? By the way, this is my, my great friend, uh, Ryron Allen. Uh, we've known each other for a couple years when he was working with DI. Um, but getting back to the point, um, you have the opportunity to meet somebody and then you meet them. How do you choose? Because for me, it's, it's, I'm getting to that point now that I'm mentoring a lot of people. I've been doing it for the past maybe, what, nine years now. You know, mentoring. I always carry somebody on my wing. And how do you choose and how do you pick that person? Because everybody, I feel like everybody's not worthy. That's true. Everyone yeah. is not worthy. Mm -hmm. But you, this is how you make yourself humble in this situation. Gotcha. You remember the time when you had a dollar in your pocket. Mm -hmm. You remember when gotcha. your mindset was either A, go this path, B, go this path. Mm -hmm. You said that break. You know how you felt, you know the emotion and vibe that you had. So when you look at that individual, you already sense, are they going through what I was going through? Are they hungry enough or worthy enough to take these steps that I'm taking? Yes. Like for instance, there's this, um, there was this guy on a, on a cast mm -hmm. and he reached out to me. He seen me come through the gate and I'm always humble. Hey, how you doing to everyone? And he says, hey, I'm gonna fuck your mind. I'm about to go into the market. Mm -hmm. I did this college degree, can you help me? I said, I have no problem try to guide you. Granted, I don't even know nothing about marketing, but I know I got some friends that I can pull out and help. Gotcha. Now, I sat down with the young brother. I asked him, what steps has he taken? Did he go research this? Where is his future? What's your five-year goal, your 10-year goal? Gotcha. And I, I threw two contacts his way. Mm -hmm. That was my test. I threw two contacts your way. I told you we were going to meet the following week. On your time, you let me know. Did he, did he meet up with you? He failed. He didn't reach out to me. I reached out to my contacts that I pointed his direction. They said they never heard from me. Now, now, one thing I want to get on with that is have you noticed that like when folks are really ambitious and you give them something, you give them a breadcrumb, do they often come to you or did they flake? Because for me, my time, I value time more than money. More than money. In fact, I even use money to allow myself to have more time. In other words, sometimes I have uh, a lady come and clean my house. That keeps me from having to exert my time towards that. I, um, I get my dry cleaning done. I do things to basically to, to, to free myself up to be able to have time, to be able to think and contemplate things. And so I'm thankful that I'm at a place in my life I can now control my time as I choose, more so than I used to. Um, have you noticed, like, how did you feel when when people, like, don't appreciate the time? Like, like even today with us meeting, yeah. you know, you said you wanted to meet up, and here you are, we met, you know? How do you think that you would feel if I didn't show up today and I didn't meet up? If you didn't show up and meet up today, in all honesty, it wouldn't have bothered me. Yeah. Because I asked to meet you. Mm -hmm. Now, if you would have came here and I didn't come to meet you, 
Got and you. I was in your position, then I would be bothered because I'd be like, I granted this young man some of my time. Mm-hmm. He you. took 30 mm-hmm. minutes of my life that I can never gain back. But here I am sitting, I'm about to learn from this experience. Why? He approached me in a manner and I thought he was humble enough. But now I realize that he is not. So my your third eye starts to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, very true. But I say I do value time. And when I say I value time, I used to be that guy that would party all night. Yeah. Wake up at yeah. two o'clock the next day and be like, yo, what did I do? <laughs> I have an alarm set. Yeah. That was me too. Well, yeah. I mean, we all go through that. But yeah. now, I mean, and I, I, like I said, I have an alarm set. Mm-hmm. Even if I go out on a Thursday night, mm-hmm. that alarm goes off. Mm-hmm. Cause you know what? I might be, I might want to sleep in, but there's something going to happen this day that I can't get back tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, whether it's you waking up and seeing the sunset, maybe there's a vision or something God has foreseen for you to have. That right there, that's that's for you. Do you realize what level you're on? Uh, because most people don't do that. I do this as well. I got alarm set. I have an alarm set to tell my wife that I love her. Just so that in case I forget during the day, you know, to that I didn't say it. You know, I say it every single day. I'm glad you speak on love. You know, because uh, to me, it's like, I, I look at the idea, you know, I've had people close to me die in the past. And I look at the idea that the, the flowers are no good when the person's gone. You know, so it's like, I make it a habit to always show that I'm appreciating her. And I had to learn this the hard way. I've, I've been married twice, divorced twice. It's my third marriage. And it took many years to get to a point that I felt worthy enough of myself to share that kind of experience with someone in my life. So so for me, I value my time, but I also value the connections and relationships I have. And I value the idea of love and being in love. I think that helps me to ground myself. You know, what I know, I know that's one of the things I wanted to cover today. But we can go ahead and jump right into it. You know, what what are your thoughts? Because for me, I know that we have a similar like history. I can tell where you're at mentally, and I know that our our, our paths are very very similar. I know for me, I used to be the kind of guy that was in the club. You know every other day you know and then also i'd be running the streets and stuff like that and i've gotten to my point in my life now i don't need that you know i'd rather sip some tea than to to you know go and try to play that kind of game it gets old what's what's your thoughts my my thoughts on that is it comes with time it comes with time it's like Mm -hmm. the kid that was in church Mm -hmm. and always wondered why the old folks don't sit in the back yeah. anymore. Yeah. Why they always tell you you need to get your life right. Yeah, yeah. And this and that there. And you like and you sit there and you like, man, <laughs> y'all did it. Why can't I? Exactly. But they, they trying to they trying to make you skip hurdles so you don't have to fall in place. But as you get older the time you realize it. Mm-hmm. And like by being here, I ain't gonna lie, when I first got here, mm-hmm. I was like, I was at this point now. But I went back to go forward. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I ain't about that part. Like, I'm out here to make money, mm-hmm. save up what I can, get back home. Mm-hmm. That was my goal. No, but yeah. things happen, obstacles happen in a way, and you don't know your path because you can't foresee the rule, but God already foreseen it, and he's going to make it go different ways. 
And when I got here, it was like, yeah, I ain't gonna do it. Yeah, I met my lady, and I was mm -hmm. like, okay. Mm -hmm. Got a little comfortable. Yeah. And I was like, oh, all right. So we go out. Then I found myself, I'm going out. Mm -hmm. After I said, I ain't going out. Mm -hmm. Then the boys hit me up, like, yo, we going here. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go here. <laughs> and before you know it, you ain't got your routine. Monday, I'm going this club. Tuesday, I'm going this club. Wednesday, I might chill, but Thursday, I'm yeah, definitely yeah. going here. Exactly, everybody mind for your time. And now, your life is social, which is a good thing. Yep. It helps you grow. For me, I was an introvert. So coming out here and going, getting the club life, they helped me to express myself. I grew maybe three times as fast mentally being here compared to where the other places I work, you know, other points of my life. But even so, it has a cost. Yes. It's like, it has a cost. Mm -hmm. like, I'm be honest with you, the biggest fine you can ever pay in life is time. Cause when it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. And you don't know what your time, how much your time account is. Mm -hmm. Because we can easily walk out of here today and something can happen and you look back. Now, I do believe in you ascend to heaven or hell, but imagine ascending to hell or heaven and you thinking about all those times, everything you could have wasted, you could have did. Mm -hmm. And by me being here and going to the clubs and all this and the thing, it got so complacent because I knew what was going to happen. When you get to a point where you go to different clubs in the same area, but you know the playlist that they about to play. Yes, yes. You sit there and you're like, yeah. I'm done. This you is too? it. Yeah. And yeah. then you see the same people. And I got to the point, I said, why, why did we go here? Why can't we just go to somebody's house and yeah. relax? D doesn't it feel depressing? Yes. It's almost depressing when you start to look in their eyes and look in their face and realize it's like you're getting drunk just so you can get away from your problems. But you don't need to even be here, you know? I see that so much. And, and I used to go to all the top clubs. And it was like to the point where it's just like, why am I here? I started sitting by myself in VIP or whatever. Because it's like I didn't want to be surrounded by people. You know, I started getting antisocial. And then I was like, why am I even here? You know? And it just, the thing that shocked me the most was after I had stopped the little club scene, mm -hmm. I stopped. Like, I went cold turkey. When I say cold turkey, everybody thought I left. Yeah. That, the same thing happened to me. And they were yeah. like, and when they saw me out, because, uh, my lady was like, you know, let's go to such and such because it's a birthday. And I said, okay, I can do that. I understand mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And they were like, um, yo, you still here? <laughs> and I said, I said, yeah. They mm -hmm. were like, yo, we thought you were gone. And that's when I realized I had the point that I wasn't. It wasn't about that life. Exactly. And I was, in my mindset, I was like, I didn't even expect to hit this point right now, but I did. And mm -hmm. it feels kind of good because at the same time, when you're not out and about like that, mm -hmm. and you're steadily acquiring knowledge from the inside, mm -hmm. and your left hand don't know what your right hand is doing, <laughs> it makes you an elite amongst others. Yes, yeah, it does. It changes the game. You see things differently. It's almost like you step outside of what's going on. You step outside of your life almost and can go back and analyze I think by having this job that you have right now, and and for me, just having the free time to be able to think about those things. Imagine if you were in a job that took all your energy all day, yeah. and you would come home stressed out and tired. You know, you got kids crying and stuff like that. Your wife is like, you know, you got marital problems and stuff like that. You can't have anybody to talk to because nobody understands. And you, 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 you 
don't have time for even for yourself. You barely have enough time to get a shower and get some sleep, maybe get some grub and go to sleep. And then you gotta go back at that work again. Imagine that and then it's like, look at how your life is now, that you actually have the time to contemplate the experiences that's going on in your life. Yeah. A little insight what's going on with me right now. I'm kind of on that path. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I take the, the negativity and I make it positive in every aspect of my life. Like I tell everyone who has encountered me, mm-hmm. don't let no one or anything steal your happiness. Because happy times mm-hmm. are 10 times better yeah. than worst times, struggle times, and everything. Yeah. I could have two pennies in my pocket, mm-hmm. but I thank God. Well, I think any other reason mm-hmm. I woke up this morning, wow. I got clothes on my back, I might got two pennies to my name, I got a job. Yeah. So I know another income's coming. Yeah. I know how to survive. I know how to get food if I need it. I don't need the, how you say, the luxury of this, then, and the third. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then sometimes when you ain't got nothing, the best thing you can do is sit back and look what you do have. Yeah, yeah. And and it's like, what I see is, is I had to come to my life, point in my life that I could realize that. Like one thing that I do every morning is right after I wake up, uh, I, I think about the things that I'm grateful for. Right after I wake up, like you know, I think about my family, I think about having a roof over my head, I think about the hot shower that I'm gonna take, you know, just hot water. I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about, you know, having the mobility of my body. And I'm thinking about, man, I'm thankful that I can wake up and look forward to the day. Even if I don't want to go to work, even if I don't want to do this job, I'm thankful for the fact that I have a job and have those issues to yes. deal with. And then the next thing I do, as soon as I get up, I make my bed. I make my bed. One of the things that I found that it's like to start your day, you know, it's good to finish something. It's good to finish the things you do. And if you can at least make your bed, you finish one thing that day. And every the rest of your day is it's like, it's like, what can I finish? What can I finish? And that's my motivation. Uh, I believe that it's always good to have habits. And even when you have bad habits, you can't really get away with a bad habit unless you replace it with a good habit. So I try to find, okay, what can I automate in my life to create more good habits? You know, certain times of the day, I do certain things that just automatic. Um, and to me, that regulates my life it gives it meaning it gives it logic and even in the chaos i have my habits so even on bad days as long as i stick with my habits it's like i feel like i'm progressing you know the habits i'm kind of similar too mm-hmm. but not exactly the same path mm-hmm. when i do wake up in the morning the first thing i do i got this uh i got this little strip of paper mm-hmm. and it says uh now, where do you put it? Because I got like papers lining up my wall I have near my door. One strip of paper. Mm-hmm. Now, reason is placed in this area because I do this every morning. I'll wake up and I have a view from my place where I can see the water. Mm-hmm. And it's like a like you see the boats and the walkway and all this out there. Yeah. And I always have a tendency to wake up and go to that window. Mm-hmm. And now, and I call that in my mind, that's the window of light. Gotcha. And I say this because mm-hmm. when the light hits there at 5.30 in the morning, 5.15, 5.30 in the morning, that's God waking me up. That's my alarm clock from God. Yeah. Not myself, I'm from God. <laughs> and when that light hit, mm-hmm. I go to that window and I look down and it basically says, uh, God strengthens me today. Gotcha. So I'm there, I look out in the window, 
I might say a couple lines to myself, like, thank you, God, for this. Thank you for this day. Mm-hmm. Or I might just come out my mouth and say, amen, because I know for a fact I'm blessed to be here. Yeah. Then I proceed on with my day. Mm-hmm. Now, my habits, I do have, I, I, I would say I've worked on this so well that. Yeah. By the way, there's a guy that I want you to meet. There's two guys I want you to meet. You may have known one of them. His name is uh, CK. Um, he uh, he was the, he's a, he's a, what is it? He's been around for a long time, Navy Cat. Uh, he um, DJs, uh, house music, but also you may know him because in, in DI, he was working the IT section. Black Cat with the IT. Shotown. Yeah, Shotown. Yeah, 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 me and him are like really close. He's also uh, my my co uh, uh, creator of this podcast. So he gets up there and does podcasts as well. And we talk about a lot of the same stuff that you and I are talking about today. Very good about finances. So definitely, uh, he, I want us to get together and meet again. And we'll bring him through. He's a financial guru. He's like, um, I think he's over a couple million right now just by investing. And so I definitely want, I, I meant to say that last time, but um, definitely I want us to get together. Like I said, he mentors me. And we talk about finances, politics, everything. You know, but uh, I definitely want you to meet another guy. Uh, is uh, he works TMO, and you may have known him. I'm not sure if you were still here, but I, I'm not sure if you were here when he got here. His name is uh, Kent Kent Tucker. He's a black cat, older cat. He's been around in this region too. He's a, a, a pastor, and he came from New York, so he came from the hard side. He did prison ministry, and great cat that gets it. Yeah. gets it and he really he breaks things down he breaks things down to the nitty-gritty and then also he puts God first in other words one of the things that he would say is God is the period of his sentence so in other words you can't finish a sentence without a period and so you can't finish the things you do in life without knowledge of God uh, I like that statement, mm-hmm. but I would switch it up and say God is the capital letter in the beginning of my sentence. Yeah, yeah. And he will also be the period. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, whatever I do in the middle, God got the final all judgment on me coming in and me leaving out. Yeah. But, yeah. Now yeah. I, I want yeah. I want to jump on that with you as well. We can dig into that too. Um, some of my thoughts uh, right now. I've, I've been very deep in my studies um, and. What I've noticed in my studies, and I've been studying a lot of things about religion, different religions as well, and, and, and one of the things that I saw was the connection of God in our life, and the, all, all the way to the point where it's, it almost, I come to the realization that He manages everything about your life. The experiences that you have, the messages that He's trying to give to you, He even allows you to go through things so that you can experience an outcome that's even better than what you experienced. Like even in my marriage, one of the things I saw uh, with my marriage, we started off well, we get rocky parts, we drifted away, and then we had, came to a point where I had to change to become the man I needed to be. I always want to become the man I am now, but I had to go through a metaphysical change, not just a physical change, but a metaphysical change. And it's one of the reasons that my dreads went away. My dreads went away because I came to a point in my life that they were very symbolic for me. They signified a stage in my life of being the lion, going out and attacking my world. But I had to come to the point where I had to grow beyond that. And when I grew beyond that, 
you know, I, I, I started to study and, and advance myself internally as well as externally, the physical representation of my mental self. And so what I saw in my studies was that he chooses you. It's not really the fact that you choose him. He, cho he chose you. He chose you for the moment. He chose you for the interactions. And even in my marriage, I saw that sometimes he lets you go through a negative situation just to bring a positive side. Something that it says in scripture, it talks about the fact that um, this is dealing with marital situations, but it can relate to everything in the sense that don't uh, uh, don't look on your wife's negative flaws with with anger and dismissiveness because the negative that is in her life may be the catalyst for the positive things that she can produce in your life. And so for me, going through those negative moments and stuff like that, and I look at where I am now in the situation, I'm thankful that I experienced that moment so that it actually, I found the good in it. I found the good in the negative because it, it forced me to change, it forced me to grow. And I don't think that I would have reached the next level of myself without going through those things. And I'm thankful that he showed it to me, you know. I, I look at, a lot of people around me and I, I sometimes realize that they want to have a deeper relation, a deeper connection, but something in their heart may be blocking it. It may be the fact that he had not chose them to see it or see it at that time. So I'm thankful for the fact that he chose me. He chose me to allow me to see those things and to learn from it. And I realized it's like, wow, he controls everything and it humbles me to, to realize those things. Have you ever spoken to the prophet? Yes. Have a prophet ever came to you? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm, I'm letting you inside a little bit of me. Yeah. Have a prophet ever spoke to you and came to you and said, you have a deeper calling than what you think you have? Yeah. You are the chosen. Yes. Uh, my grandmother, okay. she was a pastor of uh, my church when I was younger. Uh, and she was the, the matriarch of my family. It was like the whole family existed kind of around her. And so her words and stuff like that, from birth, my youth, her words have been such powerful messages. And she mentioned that to me several times. And it's, it's been, you know, I even hear her voice in my head to this day. But um, what, what has been your experience? Um, August, no, was it August? August or July 2012, mm -hmm. I just got back from Iraq, not Iraq, sorry, correction, Afghanistan, and I came home and I'm married, mm -hmm. and me and my ex-wife, we were going through it, mm -hmm. ups and downs, left and right, mm -hmm. she was doing wrong, I was doing wrong, it wasn't just right, mm -hmm. so we had gotten to a point where we were trying to make things work, Now this is the third or fourth time I brought her home go to church mm -hmm. at my church and I didn't know that there was a prophet going to be there. I didn't know all this but yes, yeah. the man is on stage and he's preaching and it's like well, you know regular church you sit there you quiet you listen to the word yeah. if something grabs your attention you're all in. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, at the end of his sermon he calls three people mm -hmm. Now I'm sitting there and I'm like He's calling, he called this lady up, he called another lady up, 
and he looks at me and he's like, sir, you. Now in front of the congregation, I get up, I go, and he's like, he tells the lady like, I know you worried about having a child, you will have one very soon. He tells the other lady, don't worry about your problems with your job, because God is only testing you for a promotion that you have no idea you're about to receive. Then he comes to me and he looks at me and he says, do you know who you are? And I said, Byron Allen, I'm just an airman in the military. I got something for you. That was actually one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today. Yeah. Do you know who you are? So you hit okay. it on the head. So go ahead. Go he's ahead. telling me, he's like, I, he said, uh, are you an athlete or anything? And at the time when I was deployed, I was so stressed out. The only thing I did was work out continuously. And I said, no, just a soldier in the uh, Air Force. He was like, okay. He said, um, the lady that was sitting beside you, he said, bring her up. So I tell my wife to come up. And I didn't mention anything about my wife. And he tells her, he said, you are lucky to have this man as your husband. Mm -hmm. Mind you, at that point in time, I couldn't even afford to buy my, my wife a ring. So she had no ring on hand, so I'm sitting here like confused, like, yo, somebody set me up, yeah, like, yeah. you know? Yeah, and he was like, you have a calling that's deeper than what you think you have. You have been destined to leave. And I'm like, okay. I took it with a grain of salt, basically said thank you, went and sat down, kind of shook. But it plugged my mind, and it's still to this day, and the thing is, I know I'm running away from it. And when I say I'm running away from it, I'm sprinting. Why? Because... I look at myself every day and I'm humble to say I love God. I love Him and I accept the blessings He gives me, but I look at myself and I ask myself every day, who are you to lead people when you are walking this yeah. way? Yeah. But then I always remember what my grandmother tell me, you walk by faith and not by sight. And then you got to remember his disciple Saul, who turned into Paul, was a drunk. Yeah. Yeah. You got Moses who was a drunk. You got yeah. people who were rapists, killers, but they changed. Tax men. Exactly. <laughs> they changed. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, maybe as I get older, I'll come to this point where I've changed. Now, do you think age is what's going to make you change? No. Because yeah. I always believe that it's your experiences. Experiences in life will make you change, but a significant thing in your life that will change. When I say change you, it will change you. And right now, in this life, I can tell you right now, I've been going through so many changes. Mm -hmm. I went through a reckless change because my brother passed away. Mm -hmm. His tattoo is right here on my arm. Mm -hmm. I had a close childhood friend, Tony D. May God rest his soul. Mm -hmm. I say he watches me every day. He passed away while I was in the military. Every time I take a shocking case like that, something about me mentally and physically changes. Either I plummet down in a spiral mm -hmm. or I grasp onto it and I go straight to the top. Mm -hmm. Right now, I'm about to embark on another change. And I say this because three weeks ago, mm -hmm. I started telling, not preaching, but telling others, you know, let no one steal your happiness and joy. No matter what comes to you, mm -hmm. take it and turn something positive out of it. Three weeks ago, I found out my mother has cancer. I haven't been home yet. I'm leaving to go on vacation soon to go visit. But yeah. when I took it, I kid you not, I had a breakdown. Yeah. It was, I cried. I screamed. I asked God why I can take a person in the soul. She, the woman don't drink. The woman don't smoke. She yeah. works a, a hard 12 hours every day. Tried our best to make it a church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. How can this happen? But then I realized 
think about this. I said, think, think, think. Your mother has been hurting for so long. She's been sick for so long. Don't you think she deserves a break? Yeah. And I said, you know what? That's a deep thought right there. But, uh, and I said, you're being selfish right now. Because you'd rather have her here physically hurting than have her somewhere where she can be relaxed. Peace. At peace. At ease. Granted, she's not here with you physically, but she's always going to be with you spiritually because you know the love of a mother is just like Jesus dying on the cross for you. Mm-hmm. You got to feel this. You got to feel that energy, that connection that you, you know, yeah, that yeah. It's, it's bigger than the flesh. Yeah, it and, is. And the it's thing important. is, relationship-wise, I'm, 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 I'm going through this right now. And I say trial and error with the woman because mm-hmm. until I can feel that connection that's deeper than flesh, yeah. I won't know if she's the one or not. Exactly. And I have a lady. I yeah. do. For the record, I got a lady. Mm-hmm. Me and her have our ups and downs. Yeah. The insecurity moments, the oh, we back together, we back home moments. But you gotta go through that. I went through that. Yeah. I went through that this uh, this past year. Um, so far, going on two years being together. We have a little baby boy that was just born uh, in uh, July. And I never thought that I was gonna get married again. Um, and I was waiting for that moment. When I saw my wife, I actually met her at A1, um, of all places. And I just got over a serious relationship. I'd already been engaged, and I was gonna, I was gonna marry this other one. But one of my counselors, I have a really close friend here, uh, two of them, and both of them are—they're part of my company, but they're also—I um, call them my roundtable. They give me guidance and advice. And she was telling me, she was like, "This woman is not for you." And I took it to heart. I realized that she wasn't. And so I left, I left that relationship. I was at the lowest point of my life. And I went out there and I wasn't even expecting to go out that night. And I ended up meeting this woman. We talked and stuff like that. And I looked at her and I was like, that's my wife. I never thought that I would meet somebody like that and have that kind of feeling, but it was. But going through the process and doing everything, for me, I still had to let go a lot of the insecurities that I had in my past, a lot of the, uh, I guess, doubts about myself, fears about being committed to someone like that, and fears about just being responsible as a husband, as a friend, and and doing all those things, taking all those roles on, and it kind of scared me. Um, It still scares me sometimes, the roles that you have to have as a husband, but you have to first, I think, give it to God, then you also have to, in a way, you have to know yourself. I, in my previous marriages, I wanted to be the husband, but I didn't know the roles. I didn't know my place in the relationship. I was always like a father type figure in my marriages and stuff like that. And I didn't want to experience that again, you know. Um, In this relationship, we're partners. And a lot of times, you know, uh, she teaches me as much as I teach her. It's, 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 it goes both ways. And so she's very spiritual and stuff. But also she can she can live and have fun as well. It's not just, you know, just solely in that direction. She's also a person, she's an artist as well as I am. And so we match. But I think the, the beautiful thing about the relationship is the fact that I look forward to it. 
I look forward to the challenges. I look forward to the negative moments. I look forward to the days that we're mad at each other. And the reason why I say I look forward to that because I know that this person, I would rather experience days where we didn't get along and, and days that we like really didn't like each other. I'd rather experience that than to ever experience a moment without her in my life. And that's when I realized that I had found the one I wanted to be with. When I, when I could look at myself and say, I don't want to experience a life not knowing you, not being a part of your life, you know? I'd rather go through those moments if it means that I can be with you. And to me, that's what brought me peace in that. Peace in myself, and I realized that there's no, there's a map, which is, you know, you can look at scripture and it can help guide you. But also, you have to, you have to grow enough to the point to realize that you are not gonna have all the answers. And sometimes you may fall short and it's okay. But don't stay down. Don't stay in that place where you're at. Keep searching, keep waiting. You know, if it takes you the rest of your life to wait until you can make that right choice, wait. But also know yourself enough that you can listen to what he's telling you. He's gonna guide you through this. No matter what, no matter what's going on and what's happening, he's gonna guide you through it. And then he's gonna allow you to see what you need to see and experience what you need to experience to grow. Because if you remember what we are, we're seeds of love. We're seeds of love. And we've been praised down into this, this earth to experience life and to experience love so that we can understand what we are. So when we go back to the source, we're going back to the source of love. But we have something to tell. We have a testimony. We have a moment. It's almost like, to me, I look at it as the universe analyzing itself. We are the stardust of the universe. And, and as we experience life, we experience life in love. We understand the different shades and variations of love. Yes. Yes, you can take this. Can I also have some more uh, tea as well? Yes. Thank you. But if anything, it's just learning how to live in love. You know, I call it the love walk. And the love walk is not necessarily a solitary walk. It's, it's, it's loving your, 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 your lady. It's loving yourself. It's loving the people around you. It's, you know, when you said being a mentor, it really strikes a chord with me. Because for me, I'm a mentor. But also, it's the fact that you have to love people to want to mentor, to want to share your knowledge. And I think that if you didn't have the love that you that you cared about the people around you, the people in your world, you wouldn't be a mentor. You would you would keep that to yourself, and you yourself wouldn't grow by the experience. But if you can learn to, I guess, quiet that voice that says, "No, I can't do it. No, I can't do it." And even though you have fear, do it anyway. Even if you make a mistake while you're doing it, learn from the mistake and continue on. I think that you'll grow in experience, you'll grow in love. And to me, that's the true wealth. Because when you get to a point where it's, you don't feel hate towards things. Somebody hurt you really bad and yet you don't hate them. Somebody um, disrespect you or wrong you really bad and you don't hate them. That's, that's a beautiful place. I'm not at that place yet myself. 
I, I look at a lot of things going on in the world today, and it still bothers me. Uh, I look at the hatred going on right now, and it still bothers me. And I haven't come to the place that I love. Uh, even our President Trump, I don't love Trump at all. And I don't love what he stands for. I don't love that. But I think that I have to grow as a person. I don't, I don't love the way that we're being treated as a people. But I'm also not going to look at that situation in a negative light. In other words, I don't like you because you're a different color than me, or I don't like you because you have different beliefs than me. I'm at a process now that I'm learning to care about other people, even if they don't care about me. Touch on that subject. Mm -hmm. I love you. I hate you so much. Mm -hmm. I love you. I hate Donald Trump so much. Mm -hmm. I love him. You may ask, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. I hate Donald Trump so much for everything he's done and he's continued to do, but I love him so much so the world can see yes. the difference between a good leader yes. and a bad leader. Exactly. In other words, I look at this time right now as it's an eye-opening conscious experience. He's waking it up, and honestly, I don't think that this problem was just Donald Trump. I think that it stemmed from years of presidents being in that situation. But him, he's almost like a mirror reflecting our culture and society and our values in the open onto us. So you have to look at yourself in that sense. And I'm thankful that now people are looking. Now people are questioning things and waking up. Which they should have. They should have been doing. But you know, men of Americans sleep. We getting ready from sleep on a lot of things. And they take comfort in their situation and, and they don't actually they don't actually ask those questions. When everything's going good, they don't care. They're, 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 to me, I look at not just American culture, but a lot of culture around here as, as children. They choose to ignore the things they don't like and just focus on the nice things and having things. But there's so much more. And this situation is forcing people to come to the realization that they have to be accountable. They have to wake up and they have to see. And that hatred and, and fighting is not the answer. Yeah, man. I mean, like prime example, and this is my thought, and my thoughts only on this. Mm -hmm. This country here mm -hmm. was at a nice little smooth, calm, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. how we say, we're, we're at a lake yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah. One stone from US comes, and next thing you know, that one stone causes ripples, mm -hmm. which causes another ripple, and a ripple in this. And yet we are still sitting here today on a debate or a question of whether or not these two countries can go along. There's a blockade going on, but no one wants to realize where the, the you know, the issues come. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, do y'all have Turkish coffee? Yes, sir. I have uh, Turkish coffee, no sugar. No, no, that's all. Thank you. Yes. So what, I'm, what I'm, I'm basically saying is, it's crazy because like, I mean, let's say me and you are blood brothers, and we have an equal counterpart, let's say a friend, mm. and he comes to you and says, man, let me tell you about your brother. Your brother got such and such and such and such over his house, and you know you don't like them, and we don't like them, mm -hmm. you need to handle it. Leaves. Me and you sitting in the room and talking, and next thing you know, well, I heard you had such and such, and I heard you had such and such. Mm -hmm. Who told you? 
your man's told you. My man, that ain't my man, that's your man. What he said. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna tell you it. They might come over, but I'm acting the same way you act. I don't believe you. The middle man comes back in like, y'all need to keep peace. Well, we had peace until you stirred up the pot. Yeah, yeah. So what are you, so, and the thing is, they, they these countries fail to realize you were together mm-hmm. like glue. Well, they're family. They're exactly. cousins. They're, they got cousins all in, in but all the regions. How do you, but this is the number one thing when it comes to war. Mm-hmm. It even dates back to slavery. If you know for a fact a force is stronger than you, you separate the force and then conquer one group at a time. Cool, that's all the war right there. Look what they're yeah. doing. And I think it is, they say history repeats itself. It does. It does. But you fail to realize what tactic they're taking. Exactly. In other words, you got to get beyond this. And I and honestly, I, I think about this a lot. And I think that a lot of this is not even to the point of like bribery or, or, or issues. It's the fact of... It has to do with money, it has to do with political political gain, and it also has to do with control, the ideal of control. In other words, we want what you have, so we can't take it any other way but to divide you. If we can divide you, then you're not paying attention, you're focused on this, and now we can sneak in and, and, and take what we want. And it's been happening for, for hundreds and thousands of years, if you look at how Look at look at Africa. Look at the idea of colonialism. Yeah. Look at the, the U.S. when it was at its uh, infancy. How the Indians were treated. Look at uh, uh, slavery in the, in the ideal of us being enslaved. The many of the the tribes would come in and they didn't really have any issue with each other. But what would come in is you would have the the, the conqueror come in and say, "Let me give you guns," and then he would go to the next village and say, "Hey, your, your boys over there got guns." Better, you better get some weapons too or you ain't going to be able to, 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 to survive. And so he would give them guns too. So now you got two warring tribes that got guns now. And then you got the outside guy sitting back waiting for them to annihilate each other so he can come in and now that's his land. That's his resources. Like, the, we're really puzzled and I've seen, everyone's seen groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're really puzzled me on all the slavery you have a headmaster and his family. His family might be 10 people, but he has over 100 slaves. You know what? Yeah, I agree. Last time I checked, mm-hmm. a fist is way stronger than a finger. Yeah, yeah. So if you got 100 to 10, you gotta yeah. wake up to realize, yeah, yeah he might crack a whip. He might have a gun, but I guarantee you, mm-hmm. he can't take all of it. But that's how they get you. And, and the system is, is they sow seeds of distrust. Uh, when a, a conqueror wants to, or, or a master wants to take control, he gets you in the mind. He can't beat you physically. What he can do is he can, he can get you by... If you look at the states, what happened, and I, I, I hate the term slavery because for me, I think it's a, a, a negative term that doesn't describe us. I, I, I call it enslaved because I'm not a slave, but my ancestors were enslaved. They were, they, their minds were taken control of. And so they were humbled and submitted. They used a lot of different techniques to submit that. 
one thing they, they, they used was they used religion as a tool to submit them, you know. The religion in itself wasn't wrong, but how it was used was manipulative, as well as the Willie Lynch, the idea that you could come in and take the strongest man, beat him or kill him, and scare the, the woman. And whenever she produced children, the children are, are now in fear because the mother doesn't want what happened to her, her husband to happen to the children. So now they grow up in a mindset of fear and, and submission, even though they don't even know why, you know? The documentary, uh, what is the name of this documentary? They have like three or four episodes. Uh, uh, one that I watch is uh, Hidden Colors. Okay, Hidden Colors, that's I it. Watch, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the yeah. documentary. So you, you know about Hidden Colors? Come on, man. Oh my goodness, yeah. I, that's like I about. tell you. So I, you know a lot I, about, yeah, yeah. We're on the same level there. I got an unk on my chest for uh -huh. a reason. Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, that's this, that life. <laughs> this, this whole uh -huh. home is about to be dedicated to that. That's what's up. The, um, I really believe in this. That when they take they the brainwashing method, mm -hmm. it's so powerful that it still exists today. And yes. I want to say it exists today because. It does. You see how our youth act. Yes. You see how people who have been waking up act. And yeah. you look at them. The blonde hair, the blue eyes. Yeah. Granted, little they, Kim, little, little Kim. But granted, they need to understand they're stealing it from us. There are Africans with blonde hair, yes. blue eyes, green yes. eyes. Yes, they, they can't. It, and it comes from yeah, us. us. Exactly. Everything. Every, everything in there. How many colors can you get out of white? I'll wait. But how many colors can you get out of black? And every color. what? And the reason I stress this is because. They had, uh, thank you so much. They had, uh, um, it was broken down to where it was, it was basically said mm -hmm. that the, what they call it, the ancient mama, the, mm -hmm. she would have mm -hmm. the white man's yeah. children. Mm -hmm. She would rather breastfeed his kids than her kids. Yeah. Yeah. They watched how the white man beat the husband. So it's already brainwashed mm -hmm. that the, and then you think about it. If you're a black woman and you just see your man get his butt whooped mm -hmm. and he comes to you and tell you to sit down or be quiet or let me speak yeah. and then you're already in the mind frame like who are you when you just had this happen to you but they continue to do that and again it, like i said it's still going on now, by Look all that. means i don't have no problem with inter like interracial dating or yeah. any of that yeah. but when i look at how society is mm -hmm. it makes me question a lot because i've seen sisters downplay brothers who are having a hard time yeah. but will give praises to another who is in the same boat and I'm sitting here like what's the difference? The difference is, is in the mindset of, of, of what they value. They look at that as strength. In other words I used to like for me I was very I was very I guess sleep and I ended up becoming conscious and woke when I came here uh, I never knew how Africans were, and I started associating and experiencing uh, uh, friendships and relationships with Africans, and it woke me up to realize that everything I had learned was a lie. You know, I would have debates with a lot of my brothers at work, and it's like, when I would talk to them, it's like, I would have to go back home and read so I could educate myself just enough to have conversations with these brothers, because they were conscious and they were woke. And what I learned through my reading and stuff like that was and just introspection, I realized that there's no difference between us of any color. 
The difference is, is the classism that we set up. And also with the black man, we have a stigma of trying to, we're, we're trying to not necessarily be white, but we're trying to be validated as men. We're trying to be equals. That whole mindset of trying to be equal is actually the detriment to you. Why do you have to compete at all? I don't have to compete against this guy because he's at this certain status or class. You know, they used to say to me that when I lived in Europe, uh, they said, man, you are, you're the coolest white guy I know. And I'm like, you're the coolest white guy? And they were like, yeah, man, I, I would be around a whole bunch of white guys and, and I was a token black guy. And they were like, yeah, you're the coolest white guy I know, man. It's like, you know, you're, you're black, but you understand us and stuff like that. And in my mind, it was a compliment. For me, I always had resentment towards that. It was until later that I realized what was being said. And then I realized that I did not have to compete in that at all. Just because I enunciate my words and just because I choose to educate myself doesn't make me white up. I am who I am regardless, even if I didn't have that. So I would, if I, if you put me in the, in the, in the, in the forest, and gave me nothing but a knife, I would come out with a lion mane on my shoulders, you know, and 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 I would make that my kingdom. So I look at the reality of of being a difference in 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 or less than because I'm not I wasn't born in a certain class or I wasn't born in a certain system. To me, that's irrelevant now. It's to the point where it's I know who I am and I've been given the tools to grow and better myself. Um, one of the, the my thought leaders or my mentors is I read a lot about Malcolm X, study a lot of things about him and his culture, his life. They like to advertise the negative part of his life, but they never like to really talk about the positive. And the only time you hear about these cats is on February, you know, in February, of course. But there's so much to these people, more so than that. I don't have to deify the man to understand what he was about. I can just look at his life cycle and look at the things that he experienced. And a lot of things that I learned through that was the fact that you have to, as a man, you have to come to a point in your life that you're not trying to compete to be better than someone else. If you're competing with anybody, it should be to be better than the day you were before, to grow in yourself. And when you focus on those things, all the other things that seem to matter don't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm wearing an all-white suit. They used to say a black guy with money, we had a black guy with a white suit on and driving a white car. And I realized that, that there's a lot of ignorance in that, a lot of ignorance in the idea of coveting money, that if I have enough money, I'll be accepted. You know, I think uh, in the music industry, you listen to Jay-Z, this 440, he dropped a lot of knowledge on that, on that album. And one of the things I got away from that was, was the idea that it's not necessarily about acquiring wealth to gain stature or status. If I acquire wealth, I'm acquiring it so that I can give back and I have the resources to give back. In other words, my, my, my dream as a, not just a black man, not just an American man, I don't like the divide into separation. I like, my thing is I'm a child of this earth. And I, and I, I look at the mindset of if I could amass enough resources, then I can be productive and be a force of change in my environment. So my accumulation of resources is to not only extend my 
life to have a better life, but also that of my children, that of my grandchildren, that of my great-grandchildren. And it's also not the mindset of just monetary wealth, it's mental wealth, it's cultural wealth, it's understanding how do you act when you're in a family environment? How do you act and treat the people around you? How do you handle yourself in business situations? How do you handle yourself in work situations? And how do you handle yourself in a public situation? Of course. You know, in other words, with fame, you start to see a lot of things influencing you as well. But how as a man do you handle those situations? And then also, how do I teach that to my children, to my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, to the people that I mentor? How can I be that, that, that light tower, you know? The first step of teaching is observance. Because, be because before you speak, mm -hmm. they're going to notice you. Whether it's a glimpse or a stare, before you speak, they're going to notice you. Mm -hmm. The second step that I feel that is important in teaching is leveling the ground. Mm -hmm. Making it well be known that, like you said, we're not in competition. We are equal. Mm -hmm. I came on this earth just like you came on this earth. No matter what vehicle transported me here, Mm -hmm. But I'm here with you on the same ground. I can see as far as you. Mm -hmm. I can hear as far as you. So but we have value. We all equal value. Mm -hmm. But this is where you could obtain. This is how things got different, I'll say. Mm -hmm. I tell you my past struggles. You tell me your past struggles. Mm -hmm. You grab something from me. But I hear you. But I don't understand you. And I grab nothing from you. Mm -hmm. You take what I tell you and you are you rise. Mm -hmm. I'm still here. Now, this is where the the, the conflict comes because mm -hmm. I see you up there. And you want to be there too. And I want to get up there. And I'm like, I, I did the same thing. Mm -hmm. well, what, what did he do different? Then you can only judge yourself and look in the mirror and say, why didn't I take advantage of what was given to me mm -hmm. and excel? Whether I have to work 10 times harder to get there. I can get there. Mm -hmm. Every tool I can get, mm -hmm. you got it. So when people get to compete, it's like, like for instance, when it comes to a job promotion, mm -hmm. or in the military, wise, you got to take the test. Yeah. They give you the tools. It's up to you on how bad you want. If you know for a fact you're an athlete, but you're terrible at studying, you gotta study ten times harder, and let the your athletic side PT test you blew it out the water. Studies okay. I'm gonna work a little harder versus somebody who has no athletic gene in their body, but they book smart. It still reflects on that scale you that test. So they gonna have to bust their butt ten times harder here, just like you. But oh, go ahead. If anything, what you're saying is the fact that you have to run your own race. You have to set your own goals and not define your goals by society's goals. Exactly. You have to not necessarily look at the situation and say, how can I be like him? But how can I improve to get where I want to go? You know, so you have to internalize it instead of externalizing it and, and competing. I think that competition is good. I think that uh, it, 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 it gives you the desire to better yourself. You know, and it gives you the, the tools you need to start to like look at Kobe Bryant and how religiously he's about, you know, understanding the game and being the best he can. Without competition, 
he wouldn't resist. But his you know? competition was Michael. Yes. And yeah. he saw his work then. Mm -hmm. And he, like I said, I see what you doing. I see where I'm struggling at. Yeah. So I'm going to take your tools and apply it to my life to get to that point. And mm -hmm. that's exactly what he did. But you have kids nowadays that swear up and down. I could pick up a ball just during basketball season mm -hmm. and somebody's going to notice me. But yet they fail to realize it's not the work that was done on the court. It's the work that's doing off the court. It's not the yeah. work that you do at work. It's what you do behind the hours. I'm a jet setter. Jet Setters. Once again, thank you for listening to our podcast. You can check us out on our blog at www.jetsetterslifestylepodcast.com and also on Facebook at Jet Setters Lifestyle DBA. Connect with us, give us feedback, things you like, things you dislike. Also, check out the clothing line. It's going to be at www.legendarydesign.com and you can also find us on Facebook at Legendary by Design Inc. Uh, check out our gear. If you're going to be legendary, why not wear the gear too? Once again, thank you for listening to our podcast. Hope to see you next week. And as always, live life on your own terms. We out. Jet Setter Society, show your love and support by checking out our Jet Setter Society exclusive apparel at www.legendarybydesign.com. There you'll find links to our men's and women's apparel e-store. Also, feel free to check out LBD's other signature brands, such as LBD Unlimited, Lion of Judah, Royal Flush 42, and Samurai Saga. You can also help grow the society by leaving a five-star rating and commenting about our podcast on iTunes. If you have enjoyed the show or have suggestions on ways to improve it, don't hesitate to let us know. We appreciate it. Finally, if you have not subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, then what are you waiting for? Do it now. Until next time, remember to do what most won't, to live lifestyles that most don't. Jet Setters.